Hillbilly Horror Stories presents Eerie Encounters. My father's side of the family had a good-sized farm in North Carolina with a large house. Around 1986, when my sister was learning to walk, she managed to crawl up a long set of steps that led to the third story of the house when no one was looking. When my mom and grandmother couldn't find my sister, they rushed about the house looking for her. They found her just as she was going to attempt to walk down the stairs. As mom and grandma stood, unable to help, at the bottom of the steps, my sister began tilting as if she was going to fall. However, something grabbed the collar of her shirt and she was pulled backwards to safety. No apparition was seen, but the collar of her shirt clearly was pulled back by something invisible. We would often hear strange noises in the home, and we have occasionally seen eerie shadows. However, the most disturbing events occurred around 1994, when my friend Matt went to the farm with us to celebrate my 12th birthday. Matt was 13 or 14 at the time. Because of the spooky stories that we had told him, he was visibly scared once he saw the old farmhouse. We drew pictures of airplanes in the living room the first night that he stayed there. Before we went to bed upstairs, we placed them in a neat pile. We also turned off the light in the living room. After we had been in our upstairs bedroom for a while, Matt said that he needed to use the bathroom. I walked downstairs with him to make sure that nothing got him. We walked into the living room, and to our shock, we found our drawings strewn about and the light on. Matt was even more shaken and insisted that he wanted to sleep in the same bed with me, in case something should attack him. Well... The next morning, he said that he had heard something come up the steps in the middle of the night. He heard it go through the room in which my older sister was sleeping, then enter the center room of the third story where my parents were sleeping, and then enter our room. Matt said the ghost walked up the foot of the bed, then pressed down hard on him, making it impossible for him to yell. He said that although he managed to nudge me, I sleepily responded by mumbling, thinking that my younger sister was bothering me. Matt was relieved that nothing further happened to him on the rest of the trip or in following visits to the farm. However, one of my other friends once came with us to the farm and became so frightened upon entering an upstairs room that he shook visibly for hours on end and was unable to sleep. He wouldn't even let us turn out the lights until 1 a.m. As before, though, everything was normal on the second night of the visit. That story was sent from Will. In this one house that we lived in for a while, we were troubled by entities that seemed set upon us by a curse of black magic. From time to time, we would see a hooded figure move about the house. Once, my daughter Cindy saw the figure with its cowl down around its shoulders. It appeared to be the image of an older man with thinning white hair on the sides and bald at the top. On another occasion, Cindy saw the hooded figure with some kind of a cat-like creature that stood about three feet tall. It had pointed ears and a long tail. The hooded figure stopped and looked at her. Then it moved on and disappeared. One night in her room, Cindy heard a whole bunch of boys whispering. She couldn't understand them. 
They were all jumbled together. Another time, when she was in the kitchen, someone said her name right in her ear, although no one was in the room with her. Recently, she heard a voice that she described as a demon voice, throaty, hoarse, and very mean. It said to her, Cindy, show yourself to me. She could pinpoint the exact location the voice had come from, and unnerved her so much as she fled her room and wouldn't sleep until the sun came up. So far, that's the last encounter that she's had. I've only seen the hooded figure that bothered Cindy once. The creature that bothered me was a black, floating, swirling mass about four feet high and three feet wide, and it could change shape at a given minute. I only saw it about four times, but I would wake up sometimes and feel it sitting on my chest, choking me. I actually felt it when I grabbed it and threw it off of me. When I got out of bed to confront it, it disappeared into a wall. One night, about two in the morning, something hit the wall with such a force that it knocked all of the pictures off the dresser and cracked the dresser mirror. It looked like there had been an earthquake in that one particular spot. Even the pictures hanging on the wall were knocked to the floor. Sometimes I would feel the thing behind me, watching me. It always attacked at the most vulnerable times, but I always confronted it. I wasn't afraid of it. But we decided to move after a month or so to keep all of our furniture from being smashed into pieces by the thing. The story was sent to us by Randy. Back when I was 10 years old, I had a dog that I absolutely loved that was unfortunately killed as many dogs were before leash laws were commonplace. He was struck by a car. It was the first time that I'd ever experienced the loss of something that I'd loved so dearly, and as you can imagine, I was devastated. I grieved for what seemed like weeks. The dog's name was Snoopy. He was a little black and white mongrel marked very distinctly with a black mask over his eyes and a black spot on his back. He didn't look like any dog I'd ever seen before, or since for that matter. Snoopy was killed in October of 1971. Late one afternoon in the summer of 1972, every kid in the neighborhood was involved in a giant game of hide-and-seek, and I was it. Most of the game was taking place in our field, which consisted of about two acres of wild wheat, it was roughly waist-high to a ten-year-old. I counted to whatever number I was supposed to before I ran off into the field to find my hidden friends. It was near dusk, and we were trying to get as much playtime in as we could before our parents started calling on us. I headed into the wheat. I nearly tripped over my dog, Snoopy. Snoopy was less than five feet in front of me. It was Snoopy. There was no mistaking the markings, and he still had his winter coat. He looked at me and he wagged his tail. He was happy. A few seconds later, he turned and trotted away. The wheat didn't move as the ghost of the dog traveled deeper into the field. I followed but quickly lost sight of him. A moment later, I came upon a concrete block that was against the fence. It was what we had used for the headstone when we'd buried the dog. 
the letters that my mother had written on the block with a permanent marker had almost faded away. Snoopy, October 28, 1971. I stood and I stared at the stone for a moment, realizing what had just happened. Snoopy wanted to see me again, and he had wanted me to see him again. And we did, and he was okay, and he was happy. A ten-year-old boy who had lost his best friend slept a little better that summer night, knowing that his friend was still around, and that he just might be with him again someday. That story was sent by Patrick. In the late 1990s, our family moved into an old two-story house that still had asphalt shingles, real wood flooring, and a genuine dining room complete with swinging door into the kitchen. We chose the place because of its proximity to my work and its old-style interior beauty. I took a small room with French doors as my office. All of our bedrooms were upstairs, so I didn't have to worry about waking anyone during my late-night activities. Shortly after we moved in, I began noticing some noises in the living room when I worked late in the evenings. I chalked it up to one of the cats who had a tendency to get wild. But as the weeks passed, I kept hearing noises outside of the room. And I became curious. They seemed to happen around 1 a.m. on a regular basis. So I started timing my activities to make sure that I was in the living room at that time. At 12.55 a.m., I would go out and relax in the dark living room, hoping to solve the mystery of the sounds. At first, nothing happened. Every time I would go out there, no noises. If I stayed in my office, I'd hear them. I'd almost decided that my theory of the cats being responsible was correct. Then, one night, they were all in the office when the noises started. Late one Friday night, while I sat in our dark living room, I made a careful note of the location of our cats. At 1 a.m., I heard someone coming down the stairs. The cats also heard the noises and they went to the stairs. Step by step, I heard someone come down the stairs, but no one was there. Then, as the footsteps reached the bottom step, the cats ran toward the unseen entity as if their favorite friend had just entered the room. As the sounds of someone walking moved across the living room, they followed. I heard the doorknob rattle as if someone was checking the lock. I think that that was the point that the invisible being decided that it was okay to be around our family. After the initial display, we had things going on all the time. It was almost as if two families lived in that house. Doors would open, floorboards would creak. One night I woke up to find that every light in upstairs had been turned on. I was panicked thinking that we had a break-in, but there were no physical intruders. My little girl was sick at the time, and I think the spirits were insisting that I check on her. The ghost even tried helping with the cats. Our cats are spoiled, and they preferred to drink running water out of the faucet in the bathroom. We'd often turn the water on for them and let them get a drink. Several weeks later, after the upstairs lighting incident, I was in my office and I heard the water come on in the bathroom sink at full force. After the first time, it wasn't uncommon to hear the water turn on in the downstairs bathroom. 
It was pretty amazing, though, to realize that something could actually turn the handle on the cold water from fully off to fully on. We had many paranormal occurrences in that house, and we loved living there. That story is from Eric Wilson. You have been listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories Presents Eerie Encounters. If you have an eerie encounter that you would like read on the show, please send it to hillbillyhorrorstories at gmail.com.